0: This is the Unstoppable Changemaker Podcast, an audio collaboration that explores how we're all connected and how the nature of our relationships with our work, community, families, and ourselves can guide us through our own unique evolution. You will learn how to release stress in all of your relationships while gaining clarity Hello and welcome back to the Unstoppable Changemakers podcast. This week we are talking about dependent relationships. And if you haven't checked out our previous episodes, Deborah and Beckett Go. Deborah and Beckett Go, thanks again for joining us.
1: Hello. Thank you.
0: So I wanted to just kind of talk about codependence so we can kind of move naturally into where dependence fits in. So Deborah, if you could, you know, how is dependence different from codependence in relationships? And if you could maybe use some examples um, on how the differences play themselves out.
2: Okay. Great. um So, thanks, Nicholas. I think the big difference. Between, thank you
0: for listening um, to the unstoppable change Codependence
2: and dependence
0: is a really good podcast that collaboration like, between News um, and homeowners. I'd say codependence code is a substitute. I'd like to thank my co hosts, so, Deborah um, and, back at Go and our executive Codependence, code
2: code I wouldn't at in the same way as I look at dependence. Dependence is like an
0: overall face. Um, so if you'd like to support the, the show or care more about um, our progress. mission here at Better News, our social media is on Facebook so and Instagram. So, I would describe a person And you can story also story. check out our website yes, at brethernews.com.
2: between one individual and another individual or one group and another group it's never just one individual by themselves so um it's kind of like saying there's you know i'm you know, well i guess you could say i'm a twin (laughs) but (laughs) typically you think of a twin as a a relationship a pairing of two people so in a similar way um uh, the difference though with dependence is that it you know a codependent relationship exists in in a phase of dependence in general in your relationship that whatever that relationship is but you can be um independent and not be um in a codependent relationship so i think that's the main difference so if you look at it as two circles let's let's do a model so it's a little simpler the small circle inside of a larger circle, that small circle will be where the code dependence would be. And that is one instance of many different types of dependent relationships.
0: So if you could just kind of give some examples on the larger dependent uh, style relationships.
2: So a really simple example could be someone could be dependent on their, 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 Let's say um, they could be dependent on their adult child physically, right? They're up in age, maybe they need to use a wheelchair or a walker. Um, They can't really get around many places by themselves and they may need somebody to guide them or to give them a ride somewhere. That could be a physical dependency, um, but the relationship might be a very healthy one. That they and their adult child may have a very, you know, um, non-codependent relationship. <laughs> and then you can have a relationship where two individuals are physically independent of each other. They live in separate homes, are completely able to function on their own. However, they have a codependent relationship between each other. So there's, um, as we discussed in, in codependence, there may be a need to feel like your your survival is somehow tied in to the other person doing what you want them to do or what you feel that you need them to do, and so that could be a, a codependent relationship where in other in other ways, like physically the those two people are independent, they're not in dependence so um those th- that would be a really simple examples of of the difference between codependence and dependence and independence between an adult child and their their parent their aging parent
0: so is it safe to say that dependence specifically that it's not necessarily tied to a person that it could be almost ideological or you know that I'm dependent on the church to give me validation on um, something or another form of ideological influence on our lives
2: I think with, um, dependence, it can be many different forms. So you can have like, just give the example of physical dependence, emotional dependence. There's all different types and forms of, of dependence that are, some of them are on an individual. Some may be on an institution, some may be on a, a, a creed or a, a code of living. And then, you know, some of them can be on, you know, just about anything, so those are many, there are many different types of dependence. And as we'll talk about, you know, it's it's a stage two dependence is just like any of the other stages. It's a natural part of life. We all go through different developmental phases. Stage two is very, very necessary. Um, there's no one who has not gone through stage two in every aspect of their life. We all have. So there's nothing to vilify about it. It's just to understand it and when it's healthy and when it's not. mm
0: mm-hmm. And, and jumping off that, you know, I think that there's plenty of unhealthy ways that we can talk about how dependence can play itself out. But I think because dependence, I think, is something to some degree that we all experience, what are healthy ways that we can all find dependence in our lives?
1: The, the, the first thing um, to is to understand uh, no, how I can say it. the first healthy um, approach of a dependent relationship is, is knowing that you are learning something. When you learn something, you depend on, uh, on that uh, person, on that knowledge in the the most important thing is being open and recognizing that you are in a learning um, stage. Uh, so the, the great example is at school when we acquire knowledge or skills and the uh, and another part is we know it is um, um, this stage has an end to it. So when I know I acquired that certain amount of uh, knowledge or data, I know it's over there. So this is the 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 healthy another healthy example, of course, as also Deborah was saying, it is a relationship between, for example, children and parents. When we are younger, we depend on our parents. Um, not only physically, but also emotionally, right so those are two things is knowing that there is it is a phase of uh, growth and uh, that you are learning and um, the the level of healthiness of stage two is something that you can understand internally because it is um, you feel light about depending. On, on something or somebody because you know you are uh, in the learning um, stage
0: and how much would you say that this model that um of of varying levels of dependence interdependence independence codependence uh matches up with like maslow's hierarchy of needs
1: I think the the, the top of the pyramid where you um you already, like, you have your basic needs covered, right? And um, everything, when we talk about all these four stages, it is uh, at the top when we'll be talking about the last one, interdependence, it is, everything is built up to take us towards um, growth and contribution. So I think the most important part here, uh, tying it up to the pyramid, is the um, awareness and consciousness. It is knowing where you are and um, in every situation and the relation relationships, um, recognizing the where, where it is where it is taking you in your growth path.
0: Mm-hmm. And so bringing it kind of back to um, healthy versus unhealthy ways that dependence plays itself out in our lives you know, what are some unhealthy ways um, that our listeners can recognize dependence in their lives and maybe some exercises or something to work through so they can kind of move beyond that and and develop a healthier sense of um, awareness towards those relationships of dependence and to move towards independence and even interdependence?
1: Yes, I can start with an example. The the perfect example is the workplace. And... um, in Italy, where I live now, is uh, the the employer is said, uh, dependente, it's like literally dependent, you know? And uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a paradox, and um, in that example, I can show the, the healthy way of living it and the unhealthy way of living it. Because, um, as I said, if somebody is working for somebody and um, um, he or she knows that it is a learning curve and, you know, gaining experience and knowledge and everything, um, then even internally, they are living the whole uh, experience in a light and positive and happy way. If uh, instead they think they're stuck in that job and... uh, they're dependent on this horrible you know, employee and they, they hate everything. They feel powerless, they feel unhappy. They are blaming, right? So it is just to see how you are dependent on everything external. And, um, and the, the feeling is that you, you are stuck there forever is making you feel very, very unhappy.
0: Mm-hmm. So to bring awareness to how much happiness a person ideology is dependent on that on your own happiness is that am I getting that right mm,
1: yes uh almost because the, the the whole point is just well I think the, the first point here is to know where you are going right whether you are uh, again now dependent on somebody's uh, giving a job and uh, and uh, salary uh, but you know that after a few years you want to go and uh, start your own company you know that you need that you know those years for learning and acquiring experience right Mm -hmm. so you have already your path clear and um, you feel fine with everything that's how you chose you like what you do in those years and I think now Deborah can give us a perfect example of it where she was telling that how you learn to gather data and uh, um, expertise and knowledge from others, but then learn yourself to make a decision and then, you know, trust those um, decisions or feelings that you're having in that moment.
2: Yeah, actually, I want to just take a step back because you asked about um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and I know that's a really good kind of like baseline that most people are familiar with at some level Mm -hmm. and um what i wanted to say is that you literally could have um a pyramid for each of the stages that would focus on different things it's actually probably a really good exercise to do i haven't done it yet but now that i've gotten the idea i probably will Um, because other than the the, I'd say the physiological and the safety stuff kind of is always going to be kind of baseline. I don't know that it changes that much, but definitely when you go to the higher levels where you're talking about, you know, the social needs of love and belonging and esteem and self-actualization, um, you, the words and the focus of a, someone who's in stage, who's in state in a stage one relationship and the codependent relationship versus someone who's in a, de- in a place of dependence in whatever area that is or in a place of um, independence it's going to look and sound quite differently Mm -hmm. and so i i think that's probably a really good way to enter into saying that it's really even what you consider and what you focus on is different i think that's probably a safe way to say almost everything that we've talked about thus far if you want like the cheat the cheat sheet version the cliff notes is is what you're focusing on you know when you are in a codependent relationship what are you focused on versus when you're in in a um, dependent state Uh, we can go we can continue with the analogy of relationship although that's not the only way that you can be dependent what are you focused on Mm -hmm. Um, and I think when you can understand that dependence is really about focusing on Someone else having the answers because you're completely unsure of yourself. Not because you're needing data, but because you're unsure of yourself. So coming to what Bacchico was talking about, um, the first principle that Ray Dalio publishes, published in his book, Principles, is um, think for yourself to decide what you want, what is true, and what you should do to achieve it, achieve what you want in light of what is true. And then he says, and do that with humility and open-mindedness, so that you consider the best thinking available to you. And then he goes on to talk about how he has always had um, advisors and experts in different areas that he wasn't as as knowledgeable in, that he re, he asked questions of, but did so from a place of being able to make his own decisions and think for himself, which moves this into to, to independence, but in dependence. Um, your focus is on, I don't know, I need somebody else to tell me. So that's where your mind is. And I think that that's a really um, important place to start to notice where those areas in your life, and it's not going to be everything, um, but in some areas of your life where you're very unsure of your own decision-making skills is probably a place where you're still in dependence.
0: And so... Is it kind of about awareness of your vision and, you know, clearly recognizing how long you need a dependent relationship and what the requisite stages are for you to gain that independence? I don't know. I don't
2: know if vision, you could pull vision into it, but for the sake of simplicity, I think it's a lot easier to just notice where, um, where your focus is. And and also to be able to say for um, understanding when you need to move out of it is trusting yourself. So remember when we said like the overview of everything that we talk about is you know practicing non judgment and practicing complete acceptance of yourself. This is another place where we see it happen. it, It comes up again. So when you really are actually in acceptance of yourself, you're going to have signals from your body, from your emotions. They're going to guide you in saying, this is something that I already have my own answer for, and I don't need someone else's input at this moment in time. Or you're, you're, you're going to sense that, but you can ignore it, or you can choose to pay attention to it and understand that you no longer are in need of being in a place of dependence. So you might reach independence you know, halfway through college, and you might be like, I don't need college anymore. I, I got it. You know, I got the answers that I needed. Or you could be in a state of dependence all the way up until retirement, where you're still always looking for somebody else to tell you what to do. So it's really not about, um, you know, how long or even necessarily vision in itself, although you could pull it into it. I think the simple answer is just to understand that your body and your emotions are going to give you cues Mm-hmm. of when you already have what you need. You already have the understanding and the knowledge that you need, and now it's time to move forward.
0: So it's more about being consciously aware of where you're at rather than consciously moving through a progression.
2: Um. Yeah. Yes, I would agree with that
0: statement. So, so we, we naturally are going to move uh, towards – um independence and beyond that interdependence and it's just as long as we stay on top of ourselves and self-aware and we're you know focusing on what we want and what where our focus is on then we'll naturally kind of go along to independence and interdependence
2: yes yes because remember it's 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 already encoded in our dna so if we just allow our system to give us the cues we will be consistently making, the hard part is just listening. When we listen, we're constantly getting the answers that we need as to what the next step is. And we're naturally already moving towards interdependence already. Um, the challenge is just to listen and to allow those, those cues to be, you know, to recognize them, accept them, and, and respect them and, and act in harmony with them instead of trying to push them down to fit into something that's been external externally um expected of us
0: i think that's huge especially in uh in western society at least where you know the the common medical practice is to diagnose a problem and then like eliminate the problem and i think that it's important to just to again just accept yourself to and where you're at in that stage, and not try to hastily move on to something you might not be ready for yet. Exactly. And so, what are some ways that we can bring awareness to our dependent relationships, and and to just allow them to be and to start accepting them? Because I think some people might have um, some holdups with that, because I I think that. It's because of that, like, we know we all want to get to uh, interdependence and independence, but we might be just trying to force the issue. So how can we work on accepting where our dependent relationships are at and and just being more comfortable with with that state of affairs? Back it go.
1: Well, I think it's um, as you were saying. It's not. It is acknowledging, but also like um, the awareness of where you are, uh, where you are at, and uh, and that's already a progress, right? That's already taking you uh, to the progress, but also not identifying yourself with dependence as it is, but see that it is um, it is a stage, and it is just one. Uh, or, or, or two areas of your life that can be dependent. And again, the, the most important message behind dependence is that you are learning something new.
0: And how much do you think that we can learn about ourselves? This is kind of an opinion question, but how much can we learn about ourselves through dependent relationships? Is there, is there an exchange about... Um, that we can find out new things about our own identity by ways in which we develop dependent relationships?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, this is why I enjoy working with relationships so much because they're such good indicators, you know, especially the more, the more contact and the more intimate the relationship um, or the more frequent that you're seeing and dealing and working with other people in whatever context it is, whether it's in at home or at work or wherever you may be. Oh my goodness. There's, you're, you're getting data all the time. You're always getting data. And, um, and this is something It's kind of a side note, but it's very related. I, I often hear people saying, oh, you know, taking criticism, you should be open to criticism. Um, of all kinds from all because it's helping you, it's giving you information about yourself. And I couldn't disagree more. What people, the only um, information that others can give you is what they see. And they're not you. So while it may be very helpful, like if someone says, hey, ketchup can catch up on your tie, dude, you wanna check that? Like that's great data to have if you didn't notice it on the mirror. But when it comes to who you are in your core, you already know, which is the reason why, by the way, people get offended when you tell them something that is really, um, well, there's, there's two sides to that. But often when they get offended, it's because it's so out of character with who they believe themselves and see themselves to be. And so I don't know if, if you've ever thought about this, but what if we didn't actually accept others' criticism if it was out of character with who we knew we were and we just focused on being and showing more of who we actually were, like, wouldn't that work? (laughs) Why do we have to be uh, so open to criticism from people whose frames of reference and backgrounds and personalities and values and rules are so completely different from ours?
0: I love the idea. Let me play devil's advocate for just a second. Sure. go. Wouldn't you say that to some degree that in an almost Jungian individualization self, that we are constantly changing ourselves based on the feedback of others Mm -hmm. um, and also that others, that the socialization process ultimately feeds that sense of self and also Mm -hmm. reinforces Mm -hmm. it? Mm-hmm. So isn't it? Isn't there an element that is always, in a sense, um, what's the word? Like, other facing or deals with others.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, how would I mean? Given that, especially that, as humans, we are in a society where we socialize a lot.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. Wouldn't you say that feedback to some degree is useful, but maybe we just take it with a grain of salt?
2: That's one way of saying it, right? This is the way that we are all very well familiar with, taking things with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I However that again, works, right? I mean, I don't know.
0: <laughs> that, yeah, there should be a manual to how to do that because I think yeah, at the core, but- I think that I agree with you that the other person really can't see far, far in to us because we still hold all those relationships that changed us and we still are in control of that like other for like facing self, like the, the person that deals with others um, and deals with contexts. So for another person to try to like just capture that entire thing with so much history of data, stemming back all the way from our childhood and going through all sorts of different contexts is a little bit unfair
2: yeah it's it's kind of i mean i think it a really simple example of that you know is a child who believes it's like let's play the complete opposite side a child when they're you know when they're little they believe you know everything you are like so smart and you have all the answers and you're laughing inside like this kid has no idea i don't know i don't all have right. a clue what's going on right but the kid doesn't see that the kid just sees mommy or daddy is this great amazing person who's just like the know-all be-all and then as they grow up they they wise up to the fact that that's not true <laughs> um and i think it's it's a that's like the opposite of what we're talking about here when we're talking about criticism where criticism is always going to be a judgment it's always judgment And so my thing is like, you're going to experience all kinds of judgments from other people all day long, but why do we have to accept them? Mm -hmm. Because all that's doing is reminding us that we can judge ourselves. Right? So whether they judge you as being positive or negative, you know, it it really doesn't matter. Just like the child thinks you know everything and you know you don't. Someone who says, Oh, you're so selfish. And if you know in your core that that's not who you are, You can take data from that, which is, I think, where the the grain of salt comes in. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to actually accept it. You can just say, okay, that's your opinion. I got some data that apparently, you know, many people have this perception of me. That's a fair statement to make from the data that you're receiving. Mm -hmm. But why on earth would you need to judge yourself for it? People think that by judging themselves, they are um, being... (sighs) realistic they're being they're being humble they're being all these things all they're doing is reinforcing the patterns that are detaching them from their own self-knowledge and keeping them in dependence as we're speaking of it in this in this moment
0: and i think again what comes to my mind is the the western model of medicine especially for mental health too so i think that we all kind of place ourselves in a position where we are each other's psychologists, and the way that you know we deal with psychology in Western medicine is to find a problem and basically just supply solutions. Um, so I think that we all do that to one another, and I think that's one element to why we, as individuals, trying to help another, that we offer like basically judgment. Um, because that's pretty much what a diagnosis is. It's a judgment of what that person's conditions are. And it's, it's a proposed solution. And I think we do that for each other. And I think that as an individual, we all find it, we all take a lot of stock in that. We don't give it a grain of salt because that is like the prevailing idea of how we deal with these types of issues. Would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, I mean, what you what you just described is really what we're talking about here in, in terms of the whole mindset of dependence, where it's like I, it it really matters to me what you think of me, mm-hmm. and you know never mind that that's not actually even who I am. What you think of me, but because you said that that's what you're getting from me, I'm now concerned about. it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we can understand that that's just data, that's information, and it, the accurate statement is, this is the impression that you get from me when I do X, Y, and Z. Totally valid statement. But then, like, what do I do with that information? Obviously, if I really do want to make life easier for you or help you out in some way, I might adjust my behavior, and I might be like, hey, you know what? That really isn't something I even notice, and yeah, I don't, I don't. Want to be like that, or I don't want to do that thing. I just was doing it because that was something else that I got from somebody else. It's not even who I am. Cool. Then that was really helpful, quote unquote, criticism. But usually that's not really the the way that it's used. Right? Usually it's, um, oh my goodness, maybe I am arrogant. Maybe I am selfish. Maybe I am all those things. Like I think I told you in the previous one of our previous sessions that I had someone say all those things to me. And my brain just went, does not compute and kind of just it was like, yeah, okay. That's that person's perception. I, I that, that's, that is a valid statement, but it's not actually valid in terms of who I am. So there's no need for me to take it in. So I think it's being able to understand the difference between um, what, what's useful information where someone's just saying, Hey, there's some ketchup on your shirt. Did you notice that there's some ketchup? Did you want the ketchup there? If you're like, dude, I am rocking this ketchup. This is for a per- an important test that I'm doing. Cool. Now, you know, you have ketchup on your shirt. Just wanted to check and make sure. If we were using our quote unquote criticism that way, then it would be very constructive. Unfortunately, that's not usually how it's used. And so I agree with everything that you said um, and understanding that this is this is the challenge with dependence. So the parts of dependence that are great is when you're learning and growing and And stretching and or you're acknowledging where you genuinely do need some help because it's just something that's outside of your control Mm -hmm. that that's beautiful for dependence but this is the side of dependence where it disempowers you from being able to actually reach um that next level if you so wish to reach the next level if you so choose to stay in dependence no one's you know it's not a crime but i'm just pointing out that that's for as as human beings that's not how we were actually originally coded we were coded to, to move towards something beyond that
0: mm-hmm. and so what are some ways that we could maybe start to just bring less judgment and like to get to that point where um there's ketchup on your shirt and the instant reaction isn't just like oh man i gotta fix that and and to start seeing people's data that they're giving in a new light like is there anything that you could recommend um to to get to that healthier like oh yeah i'm rocking this ketchup on my tie like
1: you want me to go you want...
0: back go you haven't talked in a while you okay
1: thoughts? um i mean this whole the, the criticism thing is uh, uh as they say about millennials uh, that uh, we we don't we we love only the positive feedback and hate the negative like we don't want even to hear that right <laughs> I think so there, there are these things um, it's not even a balance between good and bad uh, feedbacks it's exactly starting to know notice from your core and um, what made me think is again uh, I also have this example of kids because. Talking about all of these four stages um, is—it um, t- takes us to the interdependence and interconnectedness, which is our original state, and the kids are in that state, right? So, and as kids, we we know who we are in our core, and the, but then when the environment keeps us telling something different. This is Nicholas to tell you when you said we are social you know creatures we stay with others and we, we listen to what we are said right mm-hmm. we've been told um, but kids they know that they they um, they can change their own environment and they are changed by the environment right um, all our problems of adults starts when <laughs> we start to believe and, and uh, mm, Rely upon everything external and completely give away, give up our core. Right. So it is like they're always both are, are present. So of course, uh, uh, every human being is um, has a necessity, you know, to re- re- relate with, to others and um, uh, to learn and grow in those stages. But the the the, the interesting part of it is we start from interconnectedness and interdependence go through all these stages in order to circle back to our um origin again
0: and that's and that's ourselves you're saying like that that origin is that that we circle back to is is our like core selves who we know ourselves to be yes it's difficult because i mean that's so much easier said than done i think even people that have like a lot of self-awareness and a lot of knowledge of themselves still i mean we can always still find out more i mean even for me i'm um i've really been interested in getting to know myself how i work but it always seems like there's more and so i think this is a useful model for people to take home is that um as an exercise is to 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 listen not to just shun everything out right but to just take it as data it's it's all feedback it's all data and just to take it as it is and to not immediately place a judgment on yourself and um tell yourself to change uh, and not and still accept who you are but to take in that data yet Yeah. okay I think that's a really interesting place to just kind of um, stop there and we can move on to the next episode um, next week when we talk about independence. Um, Deborah, can you just give us a quick kind of preview as to what we'll talk about in that episode?
2: Yeah, thanks. It's a really good continuation of today and we'll just talk about the early and late stages, the early and late versions of of independence. Um and why um it's not the final destination, which was a lot, a lot of people think it is um, and also with with the you know when it's uh, just like all the other phases it's a natural phase, so when it's um really helpful and really useful and in areas where it may not be as useful in the long term mm-hmm.
0: So stay tuned for next week when we talk about independence, Deborah and back ago, thank you so much again for hosting the show with me.
2: Thank you.